Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Deep Cuts Live. I'm your host, Antoine Reed, and if this is your first time watching, just make sure you hit that subscribe button or follow button on whatever platform you're on. Uh, today, we have two guests. So these are guys that I've known for a while now. Uh, they are just super content creators. They've done a film called Hand Rolled, which was a film all about cigars. That's the title, but it was basically kind of showing you how cigars really kind of took hold, especially here in the U.S. So uh, it's definitely a different side of the industry than we typically talk about, but I think it's going to be super interesting to kind of get their perspective on content creation and video stuff and just their experience with the cigar industry. So let me bring them on. Hey guys, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I was, I was trying to think yesterday, like when was it that I first met you all? And I know where, I just haven't been able to pinpoint the year. I know it was at, uh, I think we, we were all at a Drew Estate party, media party one year at the IPCPR. So it was before the PTA came about, but when they were in their IPCPR phase and uh, we were at this Drew Estate party in like downtown Las Vegas, uh, high up and you all, I remember came in and uh, you were saying like, we're going to work on this film on about cigars. And everybody was like, yeah, okay. And like, nobody really got <laughs> it. It's like, like, sure. Like, you know, it was before video really took hold. It was like Instagram was still pictures and it was like, you know, in this early iteration and TikTok wasn't around and all this other stuff. So, you know, the idea of creating a documentary around cigars to, I think a lot of people in the industry, which is, a little bit traditional and kind of, uh, you know, a little bit slow to catch up with the rest of the world. It kind of felt like out there. So there, so I think everybody was like, okay, sure. And I remember you going out on the trade show floor trying to get, you know, I think meet people and kind of get together like a plan. And so it was funny just to, to see, to remember that and to see where you all were able to take it. And then now you all are kind of like the go-to, I feel like video storytellers, in the industry when it comes to video because you know how to like really tell a story through video so uh i'm excited to kind of pick your brain about that whole experience and you know how you kind of view the cigar industry today yeah i think that would have been uh 2016. yeah 16 or 17. yeah yeah that sounds yeah. about right yeah, yeah it, it does because i remember my first ipcr was 2015 so i was like it couldn't have been before it was like, yeah. and then I looked at my notes and I was like, well, you know, stuff was coming out, I think at the 2017 show or something like that. And, you know, I remember being in the audience once you finally got the, the film together and uh, you, you all were up there with Pete, you know, introducing the film at IPSPR and everybody got to see it. And then like, you all were kind of like, you know, like the champions of that show because everybody was like, oh my gosh, that was like the most awesome thing we've ever seen. Like you all captured everything just right. And so, it was like it's been a while but it's like just to kind of see you all kind of stick in the industry just kind of makes me happy because it's like we need people like you all who can like tell a story in a more engaging way than you know i do a lot of written words but people struggle to read these days uh long form content but they're all for like watching videos so i think you know you all are like the go-to people when it in the industry when it comes to kind of that go-to and that video content to make it look cool and, and fun and exciting. So thank, thank you for giving us on. a lot of compliments today, yeah. man. 
Well, I was going to joke around and say, like, you know, play around. I was thinking about that. There's an episode of Golden Girls where Rose was working at it for a TV station and they tasked her with like populating this talk show. And she goes and she convinces Blanche and Dorothy. She's like, please, please come on. And they're like, OK, we'll come on. And she's like, what's, what's this thing about? And it's like, oh, it's about, uh, you know, it's the thing about roommates. And, uh, you know, and they're, she's like, it's a show about roommates. So you all be great for it. And they're like, OK. And then they come on the show and then like the host says, OK, well, like, hello, everybody. And like, welcome to the show. And we can't wait for you to talk about, you know, this is a special show. It's about lesbians, you know, and they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know, I was going to throw you for a loop and, and joke around that, you know, we're going to talk about something completely off topic, like erectile dysfunction or something crazy like that. But Oh, that's our niche, man. That's our, that's our documentary. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, but, you know, Handroll came out several years ago and it's oh, like still around. You know, so what was that like when you look back now at that experience? I'm sure it's like a completely different experience when you were like when it was in front of you, you were trying to get it done. So like what do you all kind of remember about that whole experience of, of putting together that that whole documentary? Well, not I would say not a whole lot has changed since then for us, uh, really. Like we you know, we're outsiders from the industry. We I don't think I mean you've known us for a while, like we never try to pretend to be something we're not. We're just a, a couple guys that like smoking cigars and had a lot of questions. And we were lucky enough to be able to go and meet a lot of people that could answer those questions. And so, I mean, the experience was like, uh, it was eye-opening, it was stressful, it was, you know, every, added a whole bunch of adjectives there. You know, like it was just, um, it was a lot, you know, at times, we were ready to throw in the towel and, you know, frustrations. And, um, but now, like, I think we're both pretty glad we, we stuck with it. And, um, you know, we're just kind of behind the scenes guys that love to smoke cigars and, you know, put out good content. Yeah. yeah I think, I like uh, sorry. I was just going to say, it, 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 we premiered at IPCPR in 2018, yeah. July of 2018. And then it came out on streaming platform or on, uh, for rent and purchase in uh, 2019, exactly a year later. So we're coming up on, well, it's five years now since we initially premiered it. We're coming up on uh, another five-year anniversary next year for when it came out but like Philly. So that's pretty fun, too. It's pretty awesome. So how much footage, like, were you not able to, like, pack into that movie? Because it was, you know, I think everybody said when you, when it debuted, like, we didn't, I remember being in the audience and really, really didn't know anything about what this film was about or like how long it was. You know, you, di you didn't know if it was going to be like a long feature film or if it was going to be like a short documentary, like 30 minutes or something like that. But it was like a real kind of long film. But I would imagine, you know, having dealt with video stuff, that there's still a lot of stuff that you all maybe didn't use or you all were, like had to cut. So was there a lot of stuff yeah. that you weren't pack in? I think we could make a whole other movie with the, just the stuff <laughs> we left out. Um, no, they, definitely. I think we did 60 some odd interviews, something like 30 ish made it to the final cut. Um, and there was a lot of good stuff in there. It's just, you know, when you're packing it down to an hour and a half, I mean, this was a three year long process for us. You know, we weren't, you know, doing like a 
travel channel exclusive or something like we really we really like wanted to talk to everybody that would have us and um you know our goal was to just contextualize the industry for what it was and you know a lot of people they you know it's like a lot of young guys like us who weren't around during the boom who weren't you know privy to everything that was going on you know, we had a lot of questions and I, you know, what am I going to do? Go and try to source every cigar aficionado article that ever came out or every, you know, tobacco business article or, you know, like I came, you know, I started smoking in the odds. So I've cut out. There we go. Um, we don't know why, you know, you know, it's just, it's just, there's this history that we were just not privy to. It's like we picked up a cigar and we're like, oh, this is good. Where, you know, why are we smoking this? Aren't cigars from Cuba? You know, like you know, a whole bunch of questions that uh, went unanswered for a long time. So um, that was really like the fun part is, you know, going and, and asking these questions. But like you said, you know, I think we had something like 100 hours of recorded footage. I don't even remember. It was probably somewhere around there. Like 26 terabytes, I think it was. Yeah, a lot. And there was a four-hour cut. There was a four-hour movie originally. That I mean, it wasn't clean. It was just four hours total that we kept watching. I think we watched it with Pete at his house maybe three times in two days. Yeah. Like, we just kept watching it over and over with him and then with our editor, taking notes and then cutting I, it down to an hour and a half. At one point... You know, we gave it to Edward Tacoma, who was the who was the lead editor on the project, mm -hmm. and I just I told him, "Look, man, I'm too attached to this. Um, you know, I think all of this is good. I need you to go and shave it down to like two hours or an hour thirty. And so he did just that. I left it with him for like a week or something. Came back, and he had trimmed it down. And I'm like, thank God somebody did this because I don't, you know, like a lot of it was duplicate, you know, because. A lot of people, you know, when you're talking, especially historically about the past, people are going to have very similar, um, you know, takes on a lot of the stuff that happened. So it's, it was just really about narrowing it down to the best takes and the best, um, you know, it's sort of like a puzzle. It's got to all kind of fit together. And so uh, Edward did like a phenomenal job of cutting it down um, to something that was that was shorter, but still, I think, comprehensive. Yeah, like you were saying that you approached this project basically because you had questions, which you hear a lot about in, in like in any industry, not just the tobacco industry, like being led by curiosity. Um, you know, what were some of the questions that each of you kind of had that you were hoping to get answered through this documentary? Well, the first thing we did when we decided to make the film, because uh, we, were, we were for like two years, we were trying to decide what kind of documentary we wanted to make. We're commercial filmmakers, we still are, and we do content creation, all that kind of stuff too, but we wanted to push ourselves and, and make a, a full length documentary. And we had some ideas here and there, and then finally just kind of clicked for us, like, dude, we smoke cigars, we collect cigars. There isn't one really, at least not uh, a more relevant one, uh, documentary on the cigar industry, so let's just do one on the cigar industry, let's do it on something that we love. So the first thing we did is we talked to our local tobacconist at uh, Perfecto, Rev at Perfecto Lounge, and he told us about the FDA. And that's the biggest eye opener for us. Like we had no idea the FDA was such a such an issue at the time. This was 2016, I think, when we first yeah 
like maybe early 2016. Yeah, January, January 2016 is when we first started talking about it. So it's like all these looming things going on. And so originally the movie started out with the FDA kind of being the, the main bad guy and, and uh, kind of centered around that. And we quickly realized we needed to shift the focus off of that. And that needs to be a piece of the story, but not the main story. So our questions then were FDA heavy uh, with everybody at the beginning, at the beginning, trying to learn more about what the FDA is doing, what the overreach is going to be. And then, of course, that I mean, not primarily, but then uh, primarily learning about the tobacco industry, learning all of these family histories and and just everything that's involved because we only knew what we knew like the typical cigar smokers you can pull up a video on youtube here and there but you don't really know that much at the end of the day uh so that was I mean, now it's a little different now I mean, there's different. so much more content available now and yeah people talking there was some stuff then too but it was yeah you know, not as much in 2016 so so that was like for us it was just kind of like dude we want to soak up all the information we could possibly get and all of our interviews were conversations. We had some set questions every time, but at the end of the day, it's like, let's have these conversations as well on camera and we can learn from that as well and kind of put together a better story that way. And I would say we also like just in shifting gears um, because we took like three years to make the documentary, we did it like in our spare time and you know, we had time to travel and stuff like that. So we had sort of weirdly enough, the benefit of hindsight built into the long process. So when we when we started off gung ho talking about the FDA, you know, we got like two years into the process and we're like, this is not the best story to tell here. Like this is interesting, but ultimately like um, you know, we if we want to help even with stuff going on with the FDA, we gotta be like the hearts and minds type of story, not something that's just heavy on regulations and talking about this and talking about that. So we're like, let's just cut most of that. I think, I think total, if you add up, you know, out of, out of 90 minutes, if you add up everything to do with regulation, it's left at like four minutes out of 90, you know? So we wanted to mention it. We thought it was important in the end, but it really, you know, we didn't want to make it the star of the film or something like that. And so, um, actually you saw Antoine, Antoine, you saw the original cut of the film at IPCPR, the one that we premiered is slightly different than the one that, that you see now. Okay. I don't know if you remember that. No. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a scene cut. There's a scene cut, uh, one interview cut, and then uh, the movie originally ended on a tribute to Padron, and then we kind of sh shifted that, and uh, there's a tribute to Padron, a, a tribute to, uh, to Fuente, kind of mixed Embedded into, in there. yeah. So there, there, it's not drastically different, but it, it's definitely different than what it was that the one, the version that you saw, or that that everybody saw. It. Uh, so the eight hundred plus people that saw it, they saw a different version than that's out right now. That's yeah, I mean, like, as far as interesting to know that there's like a whole another version that lots of us who were in that room may not know that there's like you know, like you said, like a a newer version that we could watch and consume all the information again in a different way. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's drastically different, though. Yeah. I mean, maybe in total, you know, five to seven minutes was changed throughout the whole thing. But, um, you know, for the nerds out there, <laughs> there's a, there's an OG director's cut out there somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 
you're talking about several things in that last answer, but one of the things is that, you know, the role that Pete Johnson played in this project. And I know with stuff that's happened in the industry in the last couple of years, it's like Pete Johnson has really become like this uh, tour de force, you know, this this voice in the industry. And I think it was like through, through hand roll that he really kind of, you know, shifted his position a little bit. Cause then just, you know, from going to, from just being a brand owner to being, like I said, somebody who really is going to take the mantle and kind of like communicate uh, to everyone about what's going on in the industry. So how did you all meet Pete and like, what did he kind of teach you about the whole cigar industry and the whole process of like how to tell the story properly? Well, we met Pete at IPCPR just like everybody else. I'll tell you originally, I don't remember the gentleman's name that used to work at IPCBR at the time. He quit shortly after, but uh, we reached out when we had the idea. Again, nobody knew who we were. We were, obviously we, we hadn't done anything notable in the cigar industry. Um, they graciously let us in at, to IPCBR, and not only that, they're betting us pretty heavily. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but they let us in, and not only that, they walked us around the floor and introduced us to all of these manufacturers. So. All we had was a little printout that we did that kind of said, hey, we're trying to make a movie on the cigar industry. And that's it. So uh, the very last day we, we tried to we saw Pete in one of the seminars. And we're like, dude, that guy looks kind of cool, you know, covering tattoos. I have a couple myself. And then I'm just like, we, we need to talk to him. He seems like the kind of guy that would be closest to our personality, really. We uh, also smoked a lot of the cigars. Yeah. Up to there. But yeah. yeah. So we kept trying to go to his booth. He was always swamped. And it was the very last day the trade show had ended and they were packing. Everybody's packing their booths, as you know, happens on the last day. And we saw Pete. We were walking by Pete's and randomly saw him like just by himself for a few seconds. Checking his phone. Yeah. <laughs> so Steve's like, let's go talk to Pete. I was like, nah, he's probably tired. He doesn't want to talk to us, whatever. Finally, he convinces me to go. We go over there, just introduce ourselves really quickly. Hey, this is what we're trying to do with this film. And he immediately said, go home and watch uh, some. Yeah, like three movies he gave us. Yes. Uh, go home and watch these three movies. And if you can make a documentary as good as, as those about the cigar industry, they're all wine documentaries. If you can do anything as good as that, then I'm in. We're like, okay. So we went, we watched, we're like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll do it better than that. Like at the time, whatever, cocky. But... Uh, <laughs> That's just called believing in yourself. Exactly. <laughs> and then we did. We called Pete back, had a conversation with him, which I still have the recordings from those conversations. Don't tell him. And uh, we're just like, hey, man, yeah, we can definitely do it. And he goes, all right, I'm in. Gave us a little bit of money, our first money to start off, which we immediately used to buy better cameras and equipment. Better gear, yeah. We had the camera, but we bought oh, yeah, better yeah. gear and, and then funded we, our first trip to Nicaragua with yeah. it. We were in Nicaragua a month later, but we went to Nicaragua without any interviews, without anything lined up, really. I mean, we, we were going to go to Pergomo. Uh, we hit. did go. Well, yeah, we did. But going into it, we didn't know like yeah. who we were going to meet. And that all kind of snowballed once we got in country. We met people randomly that got us into Puro Sabor, uh, the festival out there, which then snowballed into a ton of interviews and more relationships. And 
once you started getting into people's homes, if you will, into their factories and sitting down with them and interviewing them and they got to see what was going on, then everybody started vouching for us to other manufacturers. And that's what made it a lot easier for us to, to start. But it all started with Pete randomly meeting with him and him believing in us and wanting to be a part of it. Well, and I'll say this too. Um, Pete's a funny one because when we had that conversation, um, he was just kind of like, I could, you know, you could tell he was just kind of vetting us, you know, like um, he didn't trust us no. when we first met because when we, when we had scheduled to go to Nicaragua, there was the Pura, Pura Saborsa festival and we were like, Hey man, could you get us into that? Blah, blah. And he's like, nah, like, <laughs> like you got to figure it out. <laughs> Which, which honestly, I don't blame him. It's yeah. like, what are you gonna do? Stick your neck out for a couple of guys you don't know? Like he gave um, us money. He's like, there's no sticking your neck out when you just give some money, um, you know. So he 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 got us there, but it was almost like, hey, if you can figure this out, you're probably good enough to do this, you know. And so, so it was it was an interesting thing. And the other thing about him too that was like that immediately like built trust, as far as we were concerned. Because one of the things you never want to do with a money person in film is give them any sort of uh, promises for creative license. And so Pete, like from the get-go, was like, "Look, man, I don't even, I don't even need to be in this thing." Like he's like, he's like, compare. I don't want you to think this is the Pete show. Um, right. I don't want anybody to think that. And he's like, if I don't even appear in this damn film, um, I don't care. Like, it's not about that. And funny enough, uh, you know, like we were we were working on like, you know, peanuts in terms of our budget and stuff. And we when we went down to L.A. to get Pete's interview later um, in like 2017, um, we the hard drive that we saved all this footage on corrupted and we didn't have a backup yet. So the only person's interview that we lost throughout the whole process was Pete Johnson's. And we <laughs> two literally, hour interview. Yeah, two hour interview. We literally had to berate him over and over to let us get a second interview. He's like, well, then I'm just not going to be in the film. Fuck it. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you'll, you'll do fine without me. And we're like, no, man, you need to be in this film. It's not about, you know, being executive producer, but you have a perspective and it's a, it's a good perspective and you, you know, I think you, you can help us fit in a lot of the gaps between the, you know, the old and the new and, you know, some of the, some of the early brands and some of the newer brands. And we need that connection point. So like it took convincing. And I think that's for us, that was like, you know, it, it's a, it was a signal early on where we knew like, this is a guy we can trust because he's not in his own ego. You know, he's not like, you know, he's not about doing something to make like a cult for himself um, out of this project. And, you know, I think he, he showed that all the way through. And I mean, to this day, there's no, you know, there's no paper that we ever signed or anything like that that gave him any sort of creative freedom. You know, like we literally could have just been like, yeah, we don't, you know, just give us money and fuck off. Like that's, he was, he was pretty much fine with that. But, um, but I mean, our relationship like grew throughout the, throughout the years because, I mean, he's just such a good source of information for people to talk to. And, you know, later on he did help us get interviews and stuff like that. But I just thought, it, you know, it was funny for us. It's like, this guy's dropping money on us, but he won't, he won't set us 
up with an interview with Epstein, like, you know, or something like that. He's like, nah, man, you got to reach out on your own. You know, it was, it was kind of funny. So and we had no connections. I will say that Pete did finance most of the film and like really believed in us at the beginning. And so that's why we, he didn't even want to be listed in the credits. We put him as uh, executive producer. He fought us on that part, but uh, he's, and he's our biggest fans. Well, that sounds horrible, but he's like, he believed in us. Right. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the industry came together and a lot of the uh, manufacturers donated to the, to make the film possible aside from Pete. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We have them listed in the film as contributors. They're on our website. We have their logos on our website so everybody can see that. Uh, and so it would not be possible without a, a massive group effort from the entire industry. And for that, totally. we'll always be very grateful to everybody. Yeah. And you talked about the Pete's, you know, interview uh, and how important that was to you all to get that into the film. But was there a particular interview or conversation you had during the filming that really stood out to you or either? I mean, I'm sure you probably each have your own uh favorite interview uh, from the film? I think uh, the one that not stood out the most, but the, the first one that comes to mind, aside from Padron, right? Because that one was, I'll let Steve tell that story because that's a funny one. But uh, Daniel Marshall was the one where, like, the entire time we were there, like, dude, this guy's so fucking nice. Like, I've never met someone so genuinely nice and happy about life. And just like, you just met him and he can't stop talking good things about you or giving you praises. Just like, man, I wish this guy was my dad. Like, he's the <laughs> nicest guy in the world. I think that's one of the ones that stands out the most for, for, for us, for sure. Yeah, not to mention that we got to do that interview, like, in uh, Venice Beach, you know, right by the ocean. That was, like, yeah, real nice. He invited us over. You know, he rolled some gold cigars, you know, his little trademark, like gold cigars, stuff like that. It was just fun. It was just a fun, a fun day, a nice day. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, you know, this is a tough one because not to say that this interview was more important or more whatever than anybody else. It was just, it was in a weird way, an honor for us to be able to do like, um, you know, Jose Orlando Padron's last interview um, that he ever did. Um, and, you know, again, you know, the way that that interview came together was funny. You know, um, it was just a whole lot of things surrounding it. Like it would never happen. Um, you know, like we asked, we, we had interviewed George like two days prior or something like the that before, or the night before maybe. And, you know, we were like, hey, do you think your dad would, you know, want to just come on for like 20 minutes? We'll come back. And he's like, nah, I don't so like he didn't even want to ask him which we're like yeah we get it whatever it's fine <laughs> we didn't think so but his uh, health wasn't also too great yeah at that point it was, it it was he was hard. okay but yeah he was it was he was a little bit you know of a decline um decline but still like i mean jovial and funny and whatever but what what had happened is that that night when we filmed with george um when we started filming the phones kept going off in his office like because we were filming in um, basically they have like a little like foyer or lounge sort of area when you go to their, um, Miami like factory. Um, I guess it's not a factory. Maybe it's just like their headquarters. Yeah. And 
Um, so we, we were sitting in there and we'd just have to pause every couple minutes because the phone would ring and you could hear it. And so George just gets up, like walks to the back and just like rips the phone out of the wall. I mean, doesn't rip it, but he just like unplugs all the phones and then turns off his phone. And we start getting this, you know, we start doing this interview and, it, you know, we go for like an hour and 45 minutes and then we sit and we have some scotch uh, afterwards as we're cleaning up, you know, he pours us all some scotch and we're sitting and talking and bullshitting and, you know, just having a, like a funny conversation. He's like, you know what, man, turn the cameras back on. I got more to say. So I'm like, okay. So we just set everything back up real quick and, you know, the discerning among you will notice like light shifts in those interviews because, you know, everything was positioned slightly differently because we'd already started cleaning up. But um, we set everything back up and he starts talking. We go for another 45 minutes or something. And uh, anyway, it was great. It was awesome. We, we, we cleaned everything up afterwards. We got out of there. We said goodbye. And the next day we get a call from George, like, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what? And he's like, when, you know, remember how we unplugged the phones and whatever? And we're like, yeah, what of it? He's like, well, I guess my wife was trying to get a hold of me the whole time. And um, because I turned off my cell phone and the office phones, she ended up just calling my dad and asking if, if he knew where I was. And he's like, oh, I saw him at the office with some gringos earlier. Um, so maybe he's like with that. And, and then, you know, he talks to his dad the next day and he's like, are you okay? What's going on? Your wife called, like all this and that, all worried and stuff. Like what happened? He's, he's like, dude, we're just doing an interview and it lasted a little longer and I had to turn off the phones for the sound thing. And he's like, oh, okay. I thought those gringos were terrorists. Like, I don't know what, I don't know who they were. I don't know what was going on. I got all scared, whatever. And uh, he's like, no, they were just, they're just filmmakers. They're doing a documentary. He's like, well, why don't they want to talk to me? And we were like, and George is like, so... You know, and, and that's like the story of how we got the interview with Jose Orlando Padron. He thought we were some, you know, we, were we, thought we, we thought we were thieves or terrorists or something, which I mean, Serge is Serge Ukrainian, <laughs> you know, so he's got like a face that kind of says I'm doing something auspicious at all times, but suspicious? But but I think it, when you talk about this whole experience, I think it speaks to a lot of uh, content creators and people in the industry on the media side because, you know, you always wanted to to expand your network and get connections. And there's always somebody that you know, but you never want to like say like, can you help me get this interview or whatever? So I'm sure you just like learned a lot of like how to kind of like speak the cigar industry lingo and how to connect with people. Uh, through this whole experience, because I found on the media side, sometimes, you know, when you go to, to visit someone or go to a trade show, like if, if, when they offer you a cigar, like go ahead and just smoke it, even if you don't feel like smoking it, <laughs> just because it's yeah. like, it's just like that, that way that that conversation starts. If you say, I don't want it or, or no, or, or something crazy like that, then it kind of stunts that conversation. And, you know, and then that little branch that you're kind of chasing kind of just like ends there. So, I'm sure you kind of learned a lot. We had a couple of rules on that, and one of them was we never asked for cigars ever. 
Right. Um, and we, we like, especially on the trade show, we never interrupt somebody while they're with clients. And that was exactly. just like the two main rules that we had going in. Uh, and the other thing is like, but on the other side, like in terms of, you know, if you're, if you're somebody trying to make content, you know, you have to take the producership role very seriously. You know, like when we're on set and we're directing and we're setting up all the lights and doing all that stuff, that that's because there was a whole bunch of work done beforehand, you know, um, in getting in touch with people. And, and really, there's no other way to say it other than just be annoying. Like, I mean, uh, when we interviewed Marvin, um, he walks through the door and does not say hi, does not say nice to meet you, does not reach out to shake your hand. He goes, um, I told you fuckers no three times. And here we are. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. And it's just like, you got to be persistent. You got to be a little bit annoying. And you just got to keep reaching out because people are busy. You know, like a lot of times it has nothing to do with you if you're being ignored or if you're whatever. It's like not a slight. It's just people are busy. You know, they've got busy lives and busy schedules and families and, um, you know, being a little bit persistent again that's you know in in the film industry that's like what a producer does is they they get creative with how they reach out to people and uh and that really helps are you two like kind of surprised by how much video in particular has kind of like blown up over the last couple of years because like like you were talking about like there wasn't a lot of content you know like video content when you all first started the whole process of putting the hand roll together, um, you know, people weren't doing podcasts and video interviews and using it when there was no Instagram live, there was no TikTok and stuff. And now it's completely different. Now you can just like type in, like I, I tried it today, just typing in like, you know, so-and-so interview, like from the cigar industry. And it's no like written content. It's all like video content. It's like YouTube videos. So are you kind of like surprised by how much video has kind of like taken over as like the to go to medium for a uh, media people? I don't know about I'm, I'm more surprised that it took this long to catch on. But uh, I'm very happy that there is so much. I mean, it's just the way everybody consumes information now. So this is the best thing that could happen for the cigar industry, especially during COVID when there everybody was doing, you know, virtual herfs and all that stuff. I mean, I think that helped out so much in the industry. And I, I love the fact that there's all this content. And I love that we got to do or get to do a lot of stuff still. We still do a lot of stuff with like Blackbird Cigars lately. Uh, Tatawahe always, my father, just everybody. Uh, we get to do a lot of work with a lot of people. And I, I, I love that aspect of films being creative in the cigar industry. You know, outside of, you know, no offense to print uh, print magazines and stuff like that, but it's, it gets to show it in a different light as well. So I think both are equally important and it's just great that that's taken over or it's taken off. Steve, you yeah, I, think, I just think we, like, uh, we, we have, you know, our generation, I don't, I don't think I'm surprised really like there, what other alternative is there, you know, everything's sort of going that way. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'm just glad that we had the opportunity to, find out that there wasn't like something like hand rolled out in the cigar marketplace. Um, and I got, to, I'm glad that we got to be the ones that got to go around and, you know, ask all these questions and meet 
you know, the people and, and do this. Cause I feel like, again, I think our, you know, not to sound whatever, but like our hearts were in the right place to doing this. Like we don't, you know, you, you don't see me or Jesse in the film. Um, aside from the, there's like a three or the five second cut of us like lighting a cigar for B-roll. But like, yeah. you don't hear my voice, you don't hear his voice. It's not about us. It's like, uh, you know, we don't have anything to add. Like, let's let it, let's let the people that are doing this day in, day out speak. Um, and so I'm just glad that we got to jump on that train, you know, early. Uh, but yeah, I'm not really surprised. Like, it's sort of, it's sort of how everything's going. Basically, we paved the way for video. <laughs> We're solely responsible for saving the cigar You're industry. You're welcome. You're welcome, <laughs> cigar industry. Without us, you guys would have nothing. No, <laughs> no but I we think, got think so you, lucky. We yeah. got so lucky. Right, but I do think you all like really led the way in terms of like video because now that I mean, like you said, that is the standard. Like I've still worked in print magazines, but it's really hard to get people's attention and to get people to read through, you know, a long form article because you can see the analytics. They only read through like a minute and, and some odd seconds worth of a five minute article. Um, mm -hmm. So you're like, are they just like skimming it or like, are they super readers? It's like, every has everybody learned how to speed read all of a sudden? And so they don't get that information. But I found like with, with interviews and like, you know, when they're live and they can, people can interact and they can see people's faces. It just seems to, you know, that's the kind of content that kind of really drives, I think results these days. Cause people want to hear people's voices. They want to see their faces. They want to see how they interact. And they remember those stories a lot better if they're delivered through this medium than if it's written, like I said, in a, in a written format. At least in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. You, you get to hear the stories of the industry from the mouths of the people that are in it day in and day out and paving the way for the industry. And I think that's what makes it so impactful is that you're hearing the stories from them, not from it's not secondhand stories, you know. And I also yeah, like I think there's a place for. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I like what you were saying about putting your the person being interviewed in front rather than putting you all in front because you could have easily made it about you and made about this like personality driven thing that it's like here we are and we're doing this but like you said in this film it's it's like you all take a complete back seat to everybody who's being interviewed in the conversations and i, I remember uh you know people being front and center in, in the interviews and like you never really think about the other voice asking those questions you just think about how they're responding and like their reactions and stuff like that. And I just think that that was, I think a lot of media people today can learn from that because so often we wanna insert ourselves into the conversation or make the, the story about us or the video about us when it should be about whoever, you know, the product that we're trying to promote or the company we're trying to promote or the person we're trying to interview. Yeah. yeah, I think too on like the on that side. I mean, there was no iteration of handrolled where we thought we were going to be like front and center or anything like that. But it was also, you know, you 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 become sort of like the people that you hang out with, and in that sense, um, we you know we took the it, it only emphasized this idea for us in talking to Pete because if anybody, you know, if if it definitely would have been Jesse or I that would have been front and center in this, but like, 
you know, I could see some manufacturers, if they were in Pete's position, being like, well, I'll be the interviewer and, you know, we can, you know, we can go do this and, you know, like, you'll see me front and center and this and that. But, like, it was just really helpful that, that was there was just no, nothing like that with Pete. And so it just reemphasized that commitment to make it about the industry and not to make it about anyone. And so, like, you know, big credit to Pete there because he could have just been like, it's my money, it's my thing, you know. At the end of the day, also, we are both horrible on camera. I as interviewers, like this, this is fine. This is a conversation. If you look right. back on our on our Instagram, where we try to do a, like videos just to keep people interested in the project, and you see either Steve or myself on camera, it's horrific. So we didn't have the ego there, and we don't have the on camera personality, which is the best thing that could possibly happen to this project. <laughs> So we got lucky in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, you're talking about some of your work, like you've done, like with Blackbird, which was a really cool kind of commercial, kind of promote some of their products that you were helping them kind of put together, video-wise, um, which made me kind of think of content today. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had Lisette um, Perez Carrillo on here, and she was Ooh. talking about marketing and video, and how her daughter was telling her you know, mom, the video is too long. And it's, and you know, it might be like a two minute long video. And she's like, it needs to be shorter. She's like, yeah, it needs to be shorter. And then she makes it like a minute long and her daughter's like, can you make it shorter? And she's like, shorter? Like how do we get everything in that? But that's kind of like where video content is. I think it's because of TikTok has like trained us to be like, you know, that role, that flip, like we're just on our phones, this mindlessly flipping through content. Like how does that shift in content from, long form video to kind of short form video like burst i guess you could call it how's that have how's have you all handled that and how has it kind of impacted how you all have approached storytelling well i think there's there's um there's a balance and there's room for both things you know you just have to be you have to be mindful and cognizant of your platform um and so like you know if you look for Blackbird, for example, we did a we did a video that's like two minutes long, and it lives perfectly on something like YouTube or Facebook, you know. And and the people that are, you know, it's not so much the people; it's it's more like when you're browsing YouTube, you're ready for something that's two minutes long. When you're browsing Facebook, you're you might be ready for something that's two minutes long. When you're browsing TikTok, you're not ready for something that's two minutes long, you know. So it's just you have to tailor the content that you're making for the platform that you're showing it on, and so. You know, with Blackbird, we have like a two-minute cut of a of a certain like film that we did for them, and then we have just these little short, ten to fifteen-second snippets that are just showing off the content, uh, showing off the, the brand. Mm -hmm. And it's like, which platform are you on? Which platform are you using? And that's what you're going to see. And so you you just have to you know you have to keep that in mind when you're creating the content that you want a broad reach as, as broad of a reach as possible. And you have to tailor your content to the platform. I mean, we did we did a um, we did when uh, Pete launched Fausto. We did like a three minute long thing on it. It was awesome. I mean, it's like it's a short like, story. Yeah, it's like a short story. Like the cinematography is great. You know, there's like a lot of really cool stuff there. But that's not going to live on TikTok. It just can't. Yes. <laughs> when it comes to like asking people questions like when you're talking about in the interviews that you all did for hand roll like what did you kind of learn about that process like how do you get the good information out of them because i know that there's being an interviewer there are definitely sometimes when you reach a person who's like 
you know, you're ready for that long, you know, really meaty uh, conversation and ready for them to give you, you know, just something extended, like a real in-depth answer. And they give you like a sentence and they just sit there and look at you. And you're like, ooh, like this is going to be painful. Yeah. So like, like well, how do you get good information out of the person that you're trying to interview? I think I'll take this one really quick just because um, there's, to me, it boils down to just one word. Alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> no, just, no, I thought this helped though. It everybody, really everybody we interviewed, that's a fact that nobody knows. We'll announce it now in Deep Cuts. Every single person we interviewed in the movie is completely hammered. <laughs> that's an exclusive just for you. No. <laughs> it does help though. Um, no, but I think, I mean, just you can speak this too, but you know, it's like, uh, there is an amount of, wouldn't you say like the best interviews that we had were when we had like time to sit with the person? Yeah. I mean, not always, but generally speaking, um, if we've had some time to sit with somebody beforehand and they got to know us and the fact that we're not like, you know, we're just silly, like goofballs, um, that like, like to joke around and have fun. It's like having that time with somebody before an interview to like really get to know them is really helpful. It like, it, it sort of, you know, lubricates the conversation in a way that, you know, if you're just sitting and you've got all these lights in front of you, these big cameras and whatever, drink some whiskey, um, you know, and get to know that we're just like two dudes. Yeah. Um, I think that just makes for a much better conversation then because you get to kind of warm up to and ignore the lights and ignore everything and, you know, and then making it a long interview too. Like none of our, I, I don't know. We, I mean, we had a few that were a little shorter. Lito Gomez was one that was like, all right, I'll give you 15 minutes. And then, I mean, seriously, like it was during the not because he was like being an asshole, just no, 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 because no, no, no. it was during um, the, the pro cigar, pro cigar festival. festival. Okay, and he was just like rushed. I mean, everybody was after him for his time. He's just like, "I'm. What do you guys a blog? Like, I'll give you 15 minutes." Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't rude at all, but but it turned into what like, an hour almost 45. Yeah, like once we started, we're like, "All right, Steve." Just, I mean, Steve did all the asking of the questions. Like he he did great with you know, facilitating those conversations and, and getting questions out of nowhere for, you know, everybody that we're doing stuff with. But with Lido is like, all right, we got 15 minutes at the end of the 15 minutes. Like, Hey man, we want to be respectful of your time. He's like, nah, just keep going. We'll just, we'll just keep going. So stuff like that was, was huge for us. So as soon as people saw that, Hey, they we're having conversations here and it's not like, uh, there's no other narrative behind what we're trying to do here. We're just trying to tell everybody's stories that warm people up as well to the to everything that was happening well and it's like also do people the honor of doing the research mm -hmm. you know like don't show up and not know who this person is you know like you know have a general idea of their background and have you know something you know know something about them and then the questions that you can ask are a lot more poignant you know that you, you can you can get to like the human side which is sort of what we always try to do is just show off the human side of everybody that we interviewed by just knowing something about them, knowing, you know, like we read every article we could find on everyone before we interviewed them. You know, we did, you know, we watched videos if we had, if they had them up, you know, just do some research because at 
at the end of the day, um, if there's like a, there's like a, uh, I, I think people kind of go into their script um, if they feel like, you know, you're somebody new. Like, imagine meeting somebody, somebody at a party. You know, like, how many new cliches are you going to think up of before the party? It's like, you know, you meet somebody, you tell a story here or there, and you've probably told that story a thousand times. And so for us, it was like getting people out of the mode of just telling those stories that they've told a thousand times and telling, telling us new stuff or getting emotional or whatever. You know, it's like, um, you know, I mean, Nick Perdomo talking to us uh, about his dad. And I mean, he, he broke down and cried. And I mean, that was impactful for both of us too. It's like, you know, that's, that's human, you know, like give, give them the space to answer the questions. Um, that's not just, you know, that, that aren't just the typical questions that everybody asks and, you know, people will surprise you. Looking back at, at hand rolled, you know, if you had to do a follow-up to it, what would you want to include in that follow-up today that you, after, I guess you've experienced the cigar industry for several years now, you know a little bit more about it. You've met different people, probably now that people seen the, the movie, they've, they're probably more willing to speak to you than they may have been like that first round. So what would like hand rolled, you know, two or hand rolled again, <laughs> what would that look like? I think it'd be really fun to, to tell follow-up stories now that it's been five years uh, since the since the premiere, almost. Uh, well, the premiere itself was five years. You know, 2018, five years next year. Ah, yeah, okay, my bad, math. But five years since we started. For since sure. we started, more, yeah. More than that. So it'd be fun to tell some of those follow-up stories, especially some of the uh, smaller manufacturers, stuff like that. Um, it'd be really fun to tell more in-depth stories because the movie itself is a it's a bird's eye view of the industry and, and also telling the history of tobacco pretty briefly, just so everybody gets an education on why cigars are the way they are today and, and why we enjoy cigars the way we do today. And you have to tell the story. Or, you know, Peru or whatever, like we at the at that time we couldn't so that would be fun to, to really dive into more stories and, and more countries and more people that we couldn't get on the first cut get them into the second cut if that was to happen yeah and just even just you know telling more in-depth stories you know like um one one thing we're doing right now is you know a series uh we started shooting that um and probably the first episode will launch in the next roughly year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's with JC Newman and just having like, you know, 45 minutes with one, with one manufacturer. I mean, the stories there are so, you know, they're so, they go so deep. Um, and uh, we intentionally left a lot of the story sort of untold and handled. But, you know, if you, if you watch, for example, Carlito's interview, I mean, there's a reason we didn't get into the Opus F story. There's a reason, um, you know, we didn't go further on a lot of points because it really deserves more time, more time than you can give somebody in an hour and a half. I mean, that story, the story, you know, of how we came on Opus X and, um, you know, how it sort of changed the game in a lot of ways for Dominican cigars, that, that deserves more than, you know, like a quick 30 seconds or a minute. 
And so I think there's follow-ups really, like Jesse said, yeah. those, those follow-ups, you know, diving a little deeper and, you know, giving you some time with, with just one manufacturer. Is there anyone that you're really like hankering to work with or interview or feature in one of your projects in the cigar industry in particular? I don't know, man. We we got a lot of the people that we wanted. We got Marvin was a huge one because he's such a pivotal part of the story. Uh, I, I wish we would would have got uh, Don Carlos. Fuente. Yeah, I mean that would have been. I really wish we would have got him. Uh, but he passed the same year that we started working on the project, so we hadn't even started filming. We did a year of pre-production before we even started filming and he passed during that year so in, in august and we started shooting the following january so yeah that's probably the one that we, we would have really wanted to get that we, we couldn't and we'll never get unfortunately but there's a lot of you know i don't know that i would just narrow it down to one but there's a lot of fun stuff happening in the industry you know yeah a lot of newcomers a lot of you know people doing interesting projects and you know, it's changing, and so that would be fun. But really, I, I don't know. It's a uh, the format for like documentary, the way in the way we think about it, um, and not to say that any other way of doing it is wrong. It's like we don't want to have like a you know a travel show or something where we show up for a day and you know we shoot something and we make a thing out of it or something like that. It's like we want to tell like the in depth story. We want to reach the human side with people. We want to like push them to hear the stories that like they don't just tell you know at every party at every gathering and whatever and so i don't it could be interesting you know that there's probably people that will come across in the process that we that i would just not even think to give you in this answer you know but i don't know like there's not it, i can't narrow it down to just you know like one if there's one person i don't know there's a lot of people um you know as we usually get down to this to the towards the end of the show i usually like to ask several questions that are more like advice so you all will be able to give the listeners and watchers is this where we log, log off <laughs> no <laughs> this is where you give advice i ask you the question and then you can uh give people advice but the first question is not advice but um what's your motivation or what's your why in all of this and in what you do and just so in content creation and being creative people, what's, what motivates you to do what you do? Commercial for our local gym or something, or a hour and a half long document in the cigar industry. We love to tell stories and that's what we've done from the beginning of our careers to now. Uh, that's what we get most excited about. That's what we spend the most time on is working on getting someone's story out there. And that's what motivates us the most in everything that we do. Yeah, I think I think a lot of times what filmmakers set out to do when they start is to tell stories and they get some steps somewhere along the way in the in the in the production hustle and you know, they get stuck, you know, doing things they don't they didn't necessarily think they were gonna do when they started. And for us, like Jesse said, it was, it, it's always been about, I mean, not to say we haven't lost focus of storytelling at times, but it's always been about, you know, having those moments 
uh, throughout the year, you know, when we're in a busy, you know, rush of production to stop and say, like, are we telling some of the stories that we want to at least? And, you know, it's more than just stories, but it's like the stories we want to tell. You know, sometimes we're telling somebody else's story. Sometimes, you know, it's like I'd like to tell a story that I want to tell. Um, and it's, you know, making time for that. Like, that's that's really the drive there is, you know, do enough work so that you can get back to the thing that, that you set off to do in the beginning. And the last question is, what advice do each... Well, I guess one piece of advice to each of you have for other content creators and creative people out there. Oof, that's a tough one. Don't suck. No. I mean, it's find what you're good at. And in order to do that, you're going to have to take a thousand shots to figure out what you're passionate about, what you love doing and the direction you want to go in. And we're very fortunate in that we're like-minded in a lot of ways, but we're very different in, in a, a bunch of other ways, which makes us a great team in storytelling and in film and, and everything that we've done. So I think it's just figuring out your why, like you asked, and, and a lot of people want to figure out their why. Figure out what you're good at. If you're working with other people, figure out their strengths, to combat your weaknesses and get rid of that ego. Just work well together, work well with other people, with your clients, with everything, and just figure out what you're passionate about. Yeah, and take some lofty risks, too. Yeah. Um, you know, every time we set up for a shoot, it's like, what, let's just piggybacking off what Jesse said, like we have different strengths and weaknesses between the two of us even. And, you know, we'll come up with an idea and then one of us will be like, oh, what if we, did this crazy thing till we pull it off and that's Steve usually <laughs> and usually it seems like unattainable but you know like a lot of times if the collective wisdom is no the answer is no but sometimes you get lucky you know and yeah. if the collective wisdom is no it's just about finding a way to do that thing and so take a little bit of a risk you know if, if you uh, if you're creating content try to find what makes you different you know like I mean we we come up with half baked. Just try it. Like, you know, we, we've spent, how many things have we trashed that we've tried? So much. You know, like, just so much of the, you know, we try to produce something, so much of it just goes in the trash. It's like, well, that didn't work. Next, you know, so, and be fine with that. It's just part of the process. Well, cool. Well, if people want to watch hand rolled, I know I, I tried to find it, all the different places it was available for this banner that's been playing on the video, but there are going to be people who are just listening to this. So they've not seen the banner. So could you tell people where they can find more information about hand rolled and how they can uh, keep up with you all and whatever you all are doing? Yeah. I mean, we have our Instagram, which is at hand rolled. Um, the film, like the banner says, is on Amazon, YouTube, Apple TV, also Google Plus. Um, Play. Google Play. Google Play? Yeah. I think that that's shifted to YouTube Google. Plus or something <laughs> now. I don't know. Google just did some stuff. Google it and you'll find it. <laughs> yeah. You can also just go to handrolledfilm.com slash watch. Yeah. And, uh, and we have DVDs on there for countries that, that don't get it on uh, the platforms that are listed on 
So, uh, is it handrolledfilm.com or handrolledmovie.com? Handrolledmovie.com. <laughs> That's how long it's been since we've done a podcast about the movie. Slash watch. <laughs> but yeah, and, and I mean, reach out. Anybody that has questions, we always respond to every single message we ever get on Facebook or on, on Instagram. Even the dumb ones. Even the dumb ones. Yeah. Even the haters. Uh, but yeah, like we, we respond to everything. So if anybody has any questions on the movie, like, we, it's not above us to like take a phone call or do a Zoom call or something and just chat about the film or point people in the right direction or whatever it is that we can help with. We love talking about it. Well, awesome. Well, I enjoyed having you both on. I know we've been talking about it for a while, so I'm glad that you all were able to come on today and talk about hand rolled and uh, just talk about content creation in general. So uh, thank you both for taking an hour and 36 seconds out of your day. Um, to speak to me and speak to the audience about uh, your work. And like I said, I always enjoy seeing you all out in the wild and I enjoy seeing you all in, in Vegas a couple weeks ago and hopefully you all recover quickly from that whole experience. But, <laughs> but yeah. But thanks, yeah, but thanks, yeah, so thank you both for coming on today and thank everyone for watching. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, just make sure you hit that like or subscribe button. And if you're listening to this on any of the podcasting platforms, just make sure you also hit that subscribe button and leave a review because reviews help to improve what I do here. And there's always room for improvement. And if you missed any of this episode or any of the other 101 or so episodes that are out there, Deep Cuts. You can find all of those episodes on deepcutslive.com and on YouTube. So um, there's a lot to catch up on, obviously. So we'll have to have you both back at, at some point uh, in the future to add that We've gotten the hand roll out of the way. We we can talk about some other some other fun stuff. Uh, you know, I always have like fun conversations with you. I don't know if it's like appropriate for a podcast, but uh, I know that there's a lot that we can talk about. So definitely would like to have you all back on it at some point in the future um, to talk further about things. But thank you for coming on and thank everyone for watching. Yeah. And uh, next week we have uh, a whopping three shows. So uh, we have a uh, Rick Rodriguez from West Tampa tobacco company. Um, I mean, we just have, like I said, so many people that have been chasing down for a while. So you definitely want to stay tuned. Um, for all of that, all of our guests, but he's the next show. He's on Monday. Uh, it's a special day. So, <laughs> so tune in for that. So um, until next time, everybody, thank you for watching. And uh, until next time. <laughs>